Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Swords and Satire mini-episode. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Mokel, here with my co-hosts, who are also my eternal partners in this ridiculous endeavor that we call podcasting. I'm Chelsea Hollowell, an old lady who likes to take care of baby dragons. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. They're still dragons, though, so they are deadly. Yeah, but you just got to know how to how to treat them. They can be more like cats if you know what you're doing. And I'm Jack Olander, the only person who seems to notice the death of our Berkian accent. The kids don't have it. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's a sad uh, bit of culture change that uh, the children of today don't want to speak the <laughs> don't want to use the accents of their elders. And it's very strange because there's no other influence that they're following. So there must be. <laughs> I kind of wish every other Viking clan had like several different accents as well. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a fan of um like subverting the usual like accent tropes. And I'm not going to give any examples right now because I feel like it can only lead to peril, but like, <laughs> you know, I mean, Scottish dwarves fine, but also like let's try something new. I'm not going to do any, but let's say we could do Jamaican dwarves, we could do Canadian dwarves. Like, mm -hmm. just anything to, to change it up, I'm a fan of. Right. But I am not going to give any examples. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. So what are we doing here? That's a great question, Chelsea. What are we doing here? We're stepping this... on eggshells. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Rewriting History, our uh, Swords and Satire mini-episodes, where we take the movie that we did the previous week, usually... At least that's what we've done so far. And we come up with an idea for a sequel, a reboot, a spinoff, or a rewrite for that movie. And this week, I believe, if my notes are correct, the movie we are going to be redoing and rewriting in some way or another is How to Train Your Dragon 2. You're much better at that than me. You're, you're, you're very, you enunciate it. I always accidentally I say, right I know I always accidentally start out by saying how to drain your dragon and <laughs> in your defense that is probably my fault because I often say that when we're talking about these movies maybe you you uh, psych me out All right well before we start talking about our ideas for fixing this movie I think Chelsea has some bullet points that you the listener should know about the film That's right Here's some key takeaways that you will want to remember about the the original film that actually got produced and distributed. Takeaway one, there are dragons. Yes. Takeaway two, there are Vikings. Takeaway three, Vikings train dragons. Enough said. <laughs> yeah. Takeaway four, Vikings ride at dragons. And and race on them. That's right. Next takeaway, because I've already lost track, uh, sheep are horribly abused in this culture. Yes. And used as something between, like, a basketball and a mascot. Right. Takeaway three. There are only <laughs> five young people in the village. Ah, how many more do you need? Oh, God. Just real quick, I thought about that before, and it means, like, 
some of them are gonna have they're gonna have to be pretty loose with their uh marriage or or uh bonding because there's only two young females while there are in terms of like procreation you know strictly procreate talking about that but in terms of like love and bonding, they maybe they're more open minded. Well, I was gonna say, I mean, isn't that why there was such an open, like poly romantic courting uh theme that ran through this movie? Maybe. Where like multiple people were courting the same people and didn't seem to really have any animosity towards each other. So I mean, maybe that implies a strong acceptance of polyamorous relationships. I like it. Uh where were we? <laughs> Takeaway three. Burke has very progressive romance. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's okay to be in love with a highly sentient dragon. Okay, another takeaway is that Hiccup's mom was actually alive and just, like, didn't really want to see him for 20 years. Psych. <laughs> um, another one was that Drago was the main villain, and... He was pretty, we determined he was pretty evil and stupid, and he had this whole confusing alpha theory that uh, he was operating under. Takeaway three. <laughs> All Vikings want to use dragons to push their own agendas. That is true. No matter what village you're from. Killing yeah. them just seems to be a way of the past. It's like, make them think that you're their friend and then the dragons will be willing to do anything for you and be the perfect like pack mule or best buddy yeah right yeah there's a weird dynamic where uh hiccup views toothless as like a very good friend and dear companion but also like basically the way that you might view your bicycle yeah as a means of transportation it's awkward I mean, at some point, we are going to get into how dragons changed Burkean culture the way that automobiles changed American culture in the 50s, right? Yes, exactly. Most definitely. <laughs> Another thing to remember is that Stoic died in the battle against Drago. Boo. And at the, in the end of the movie, his mom decides to live with him again in Burke, and he is named the next chief and he accepts that role questionable noise or sorry um doubtful noise <laughs> yeah and i think potentially the third and final takeaway <laughs> is that people can change they can't but they can not can <laughs> that's that is absolutely the message of this film yeah all right well now that we have the takeaways out of the way why don't we get to the main part of the show? All right, guys. So since this movie already has a sequel and is part of a larger cinematic universe right. of the How to Train Your Dragon cinematic universe, I think that we all pretty much agree that what this movie needs is a rewrite to kind of fix up some of the themes and the missed opportunities and maybe just to clean up the plot overall. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to write the sequel to a movie that already has a sequel, right? And crossing this over might create a time paradox. Right. <laughs> 
And a reboot, I mean, it's not time for a reboot yet. Not for this series. May give it five more years and we can reboot the series. Right. Personally, I think that we can keep a lot of the beginning. Absolutely, yes. I think the beginning is strong. Yeah, where he's exploring with Toothless and Astrid. They're charting other um, parts of the landscape and other I- nearby islands, and they're exploring. And and so something we had talked about last week was we would like to see Hiccup, and possibly Astrid too, lean into this role a little bit more and we want to take out we already know we want to take out drago altogether from this movie and save that conflict for movie number three right but i don't want to do that completely but we can get to that in a little bit but i want to i want to keep jimon hansu in the movie because i adore him and i'm not his voice lends to the film okay i'm not saying we have to get rid of him altogether i'm saying Hire him to play Drago in the third movie. I mean, that, or or have him be, like, a character who's fun and likable. Yeah, or just, like, start hinting at him and, like, showing him Thanos, kind of Thanos style. <laughs> and then, like, you don't really confront him until later, right? Sure, I mean, that's, that's also possible. Yeah, if we make him a better villain, then yes, absolutely. Right. Then that's fine. Anyway, so, this leaves room for a lot of other stuff to happen in the movie, okay? So this is where a lot of our ideas that we're about to share can fit in. So I I think it would be cool to show Hiccup and Astrid exploring more and finding other villages that they can maybe get to know people and tell them about the bonds you can create with dragons and build up those communal bonds because those are the allies they could start to build up for a war later on in another movie. See what I'm saying? Yeah, they could also find some more young people to expand their gene pool. Exactly. <laughs> Dating pool. Dating pool. Right. Right, definitely. I think it would be very strong for the film to start out in a similar way. We could have the useless dragon racing scene to establish <laughs> how they've culturally developed. Maybe we could do a cruelty-free dragon racing yeah, they could have a fucking ball that they create instead of using animals. How about that? I mean, novel. Very novel. I've never heard of a ball being used in a game, but <laughs> I like what you're bringing to the table. Yep. It could be made out of sheepskin. I mean, sometimes they gotta eat, so... Sure, that's completely reasonable. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. But what would they? what are they gonna make their condoms out of? Condoms? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, we very... need the gene pool. Yeah, they have a very small population, Jamie. When, when you first reacted and said condoms in response to my question of what were they going to make their condoms out of, I thought that you were implying that condoms are a naturally occurring resource. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We Birkins are proud dragon riders and incels. We don't reproduce ever. Oh, Yike. God. It's a mistake. That is a rewrite that I am not a fan no, of. No, me neither. But yeah, uh, yeah more, more on the reproduction to come, right? Okay. So going back to my earlier point about connecting with other communities. And a great point it was. I think that it would solidify the messaging of unity and 
building identity, kind of building your community's identity as diplomats, you know? Yeah, and I love, that was like the theme that I wanted them to build on more. Yeah, definitely, because they reference a council of other chiefs, and they reference other islands of dragon slayers, and Hiccup flies around putting together a map, like you guys said in the main episode, he becomes a cartographer, and we never see another island. Where are these people? Yeah. I, I will point out that that council was all killed by Drago. But, but not in our version, necessarily. No, but it could be. But then Hiccup learns about this council from his dad. He's, they still have that conversation about it. So he's like, oh, well, I've been making contact with these other, uh, these other villages. Let's build the council again. Let's just pull a name out of nowhere. Let's call it an Altang. <laughs> yeah. Just completely random something from history. <laughs> yeah. That that probably fits. We'll make it work. <laughs> this is where the listener finds out that the Altang was the Old Norse Democratic Council. That was a real concept for the Norse people who were Vikings. Uh, that that would require the people that made this movie to do any real research about Vikings, though. <laughs> you mean Gerard Butler is not, uh, that's not a Scandinavian accent? He played Beowulf, Chelsea. You know, I could easily see through the humor of these movies, a hiccup being like, it's time to get the council back together, the alting. And then Gobber would be like, well, a few of the villages were lost in the attack, so... It would actually just be a most ting. <laughs> oh, that's that's going into the movie. Yeah. That's going into our it script. It seems like something nice. Gobber would say. It really does. Yeah. So what would the central conflict be of our new movie? Because you need that to have like an interesting plot and an engaging plot. Well, I would like it if because we hear that the council was killed by Drago controlling dragons. And I would like it if Hiccup doesn't find Drago in this movie, like you guys exactly. are saying. He has yeah. a secret base that we don't even find, right? And, but he knows about this, and so do the other villages, right? And So, so we're making this a real Empire Strikes Back. Sure. Yeah, 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 and yeah. And yeah. so when we're hearing, or so the other villages are hearing rumors by traders, right? And dragon hunters, like Eric, uh, like, uh, Eric son of Eric. What is his name? Eric. Uh, Eric. Eric, son of Eric, right? Classic maybe name, Eric. Maybe he sees the dragon riders going around as cartographers, and maybe he's the villain, because, or one of the villains, because he's going around spreading rumors that the dragon riders are back, and that he sees like Burkeans as working with them. So some of the villages think that Burkeans are actually working with Drago, right? Oh, cool. So we, we have Eret as the main villain. That's cool. It's kind of like a kind of an unsuspecting villain, right? Like somebody who's who doesn't understand the whole situation and is antagonizing them, but for the wrong reason, and then can be shown why he was wrong and why, you know, diplomacy and empathy and negotiations are a better suit for his, you know, his needs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just thinking he's one of the characters that pushes the conflict, not necessarily that he's a central villain, right? The main conflict I was imagining was, you know, they're trying to put together the most ting 
<laughs> and they're going, they, they kind of discover these villages. And maybe the first village Hiccup discovers, they fire at him, right? Oh, yeah. They, like, fire catapults at him and stuff like that. Because you, they see a dragon coming in. Yeah, they see a dragon with a rider, right? And they've heard from Eret. I would fire something if I saw a dragon coming. Yeah. And so they're scared because they've already heard rumors from Eret that Drago is sending out scouts on dragons, right? Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. And so that could be like when Hiccup confronts this town, they're like, hey, we're not working with Drago, right? And that could be when he hears the name and he goes back and asks his dad about Drago, what's a Drago? Yeah, exactly. I like this, Jack, because it's building upon the stakes of the first movie. Hiccup had to convince his small town that they could work with dragons. Now he's taking that message further to other communities, and he's having to convince people that don't even know him, like, to trust him and that this is possible. That's a great opportunity to test his negotiation skills. Before we get to all-out warfare in the next movie, it, it, it just extends this out so that you can see the build-up, really. Definitely. And I would like to see he and some of the other dragon riders. You know, they find several villages. And some of them are more into the idea of helping the Burkeans than others. And some of them are more afraid of Drago, right? So they're way more weary of Burke. And we start getting kind of like unrest among the villages, right? As ideologies clash. And fear yeah. is just, you know, the you know, they're fanning the flames. No, fear leads to anger, right? Yes. Anger leads to hate. Yes, that's right. And hate leads to suffering. And suffering leads to the dark side? Sand. Right, right. Guys, <laughs> is is this movie Star Wars? I think yes. so. Yes. <laughs> oh my is. god. Hiccup created a lightsaber. He did. He did. <laughs> he, did. He, he has a fire sword for the listeners information. <laughs> that thing is so freaking cool. It, yeah, so, it is, actually. <laughs> it's a lightsaber, or a flame saber, and a gas saber. <laughs> yeah. So the blade is retractable. It shoots out of the handle, right? Just like a lightsaber, but then Toothless lights it on fire, right? And then the handle is also a gas canister of deadly natter. Uh, no, not deadly. The Zippleback gas, which he can spark with the handle as well and make it explode. So that thing is so cool. It's a deadly fucking weapon. <laughs> I guess if that does become like... From a more civilized time. Yeah. <laughs> if you did want to make it kind of like Star Wars, you could have that be kind of a symbol of the Burkean chief wielding that sword because the Ma on Mandalore, in Star Wars, the leader of Mandalore has the Darksaber as a symbol of their power. Nice. So, we got to get into that. We still have to watch that show. Yeah. I don't know if it's referenced in The Mandalorian, actually. I haven't seen it yet, but oh, oh, we'll oh. see. I know cool. it's in Clone Wars and Rebels. But back to How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, I could really see like a lot of conflict arising where the villagers of the other villages are fighting amongst themselves. Sort of civil war. 
Which makes sense for for historical uh, reference. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And there's unrest between villages as some of them, you know, like Birkins more than others, they stop trusting each other as well. Probably rumors about who's working with Drago. Right. And... Yeah, and I I might like it in if kind of toward the climax of the movie, right? They are in a village or a city that completely breaks into like civil war, right? They're fighting amongst themselves all out combat, right? Yeah. And uh that could be the fight where Stoic is killed, right? Yeah. By by people and it really needs to test Hiccup's belief that anyone can be changed, right? Because humans just killed his dad with no dragons involved, right? That would be a wild test of his ability to forgive. Yeah. And yeah. then in that same fight, it could be going really poorly for them. So the Burkians escape with with refugees that believe in the dragon riders, right? And nice. then you could that could be an opportunity to introduce Eret as their friend, like they did in the second movie. They have to help him escape that island. And uh, they could introduce a few new characters as well, uh, young characters to increase the gene pool. <laughs> <laughs> and they could yeah. have American accents too. Dating pool. Dating pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah different accents. Yeah, I like that. Some Irish Canadian. accents, you know, Canadian. <laughs> Other accents we won't do. Yeah. <laughs> Just a long list of, of accents by actors of those ethnicities right right finish yeah. yes yes exactly like expand the hiring pool yeah, exactly. for the film exactly yeah you know what guys i think this is the perfect time to take a break and head over to the bounty board This week, Swords and Satire is proud to be sponsored by Audible. Now, I got to tell you, I've been an Audible subscriber for a long time, and I've really enjoyed the audiobooks that I've listened to through the service. So we want to give you the opportunity to sign up for Audible and also help support our show by going to audibletrial.com swords and sign up for your free 30-day trial. And when you do that, you're going to get a credit for a free book that's yours to keep, whether or not you keep your membership. You're going to get access to select Audible Originals, and you'll get an email reminder before your trial ends. But I'm sure you're going to decide that you want to keep your membership because there's so much that Audible provides. They have thousands of titles for you to choose from, and they're constantly adding new content all the time. And if you want to start out by listening to something that I was a huge fan of, then I suggest you use your credit to get True Indie, Life and Death in Filmmaking by Don Cascarelli. That's right, the legendary director of Beastmaster himself wrote this memoir and reads it, which just makes it so much better. He tells great stories about his time working on Beastmaster and Phantasm and Bubba Hotep and all the other great movies he's made. And... Just is such a charming guy that I know that you're going to love this book as much as I did. So once again, visit audibletrial.com slash swords to sign up for your 30-day trial, your choice of an audiobook, and to help support our show. And now, back to the episode. 
so guys, we're we haven't touched on who I think is an important character who needs some rewriting love here, and that is Valka, Hiccup's mother. Yeah. Yes. And here's the main thing I want to change. So Hiccup and uh, in our version, Hiccup and Astrid are out like negotiating, building alliances, all this. Somewhere along the way, they are going to find Valka and her dragon sanctuary. Dragotopia. Dragotopia, thank you. It is farther away than just like around the fucking bend from Burke. Right. And that didn't make any fucking sense. When we get the backstory about why Valka never went back to Hiccup and Stoic, she believes they died in the attack. Nice. And it broke her. So we and sent her into this like draconic you know, like where she becomes like the dragon lady. Right. And so that we'd have to change the flashback to make it look like, oh, they could have gotten stuck in the fire in their home from her perspective. And then we see them escaping, but she couldn't tell. Yeah. And then we can like give her a cool, totally original name. Like, uh, I don't know, let's say the mother of dragons <laughs> right. to be a tie back to the fact that she believes she lost her child. Exactly. Yes. Yes, very. That is a much better explanation. I like that so much more for why she just never came back. Yeah, she, she believes that her that her whole world, her, her husband who she loved, her child that she loved, died in this horrible attack. And she knows, she knows that dragons are not to blame. Dragons were being used as a tool against the people. So she wants to be sure that dragons will never again be used as weapons because they are autonomous beings. And that's what she dedicates her life to after she believes she loses her family. Yes. Yeah, that's good. It's so much more compelling than her just deciding to abandon them. <laughs> it makes her a much more sympathetic character, too, I I believe. Um, In my opinion, yeah, I agree. And um, this gives her a new thing that she can teach Hiccup besides some unholy, disgusting, <laughs> evolutionary development that requires human hands to activate. So uh this is like... She teaches him a new philosophy in this case. Just in case you haven't watched the movie since last week, Chelsea is referring to the evolution button that all dragons have <laughs> that give them their ultimate form and power when pressed. Yeah, it was it was terrible. Um, So it was just disgusting. Okay, so... Evolutionarily indefensible. Yes. So I like your idea, Jamie, because she can teach him a new philosophy now. We already established before that Hiccup has a somewhat problematic understanding of how he can have a relationship to dragons. He wants to, you know, be accepting of them. He wants people to live in cooperation with dragons. But he still kind of sees them as a tool to be used and not sentient beings, which it's clear they are, with just a different method of communication. And so he doesn't treat them as equal allies in that case. And so this leaves room for his mother to show him that. And that reinforces this idea that for children, this message that other animals have sentience and they have their own autonomy and that they should be treated as equals. Chef's kiss. Great point. Yeah. So I love your idea, Jamie. I think it, it creates a great message. Also, 
renaming the alpha, right? More something like, we could just call it the queen, because it seems to communicate with the other dragons the way insects kind of do. Well, it has a name that's great in the movie. It's called the Bewilder Beast. Yeah, we just don't need to call it any... Well, the reason why (laughs) I think we could call it a queen, right, instead, is because I want to change Drago's, right? Yes. In the first movie, we see an alpha-like dragon living in the volcano, not controlling dragons in the same way, but it's certainly in charge of a massive nest of them. Yes. Right? Yes. And so in the second one, when we catch a glimpse of Drago and, and his alpha, if we still want him to have one, I would love it if he had another type of the same species of alpha from the first movie. The bad okay. one. And... I mean, that would make sense, at least, as, like, a continuation. It's like a bigger Death Star. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> so the difference conceptually, right, is that the queen dragon, the bewilder beast they have, is nurturing to the dragons, right? In the first one, we see the alpha dragon being fed by all the other dragons because they're terrified of it. And in the second movie, we see the bewilder beast feeding the other dragons, and they love it and protect it. That makes a lot of sense. And so it would be great to see Drago's army motivated by the scary fear-mongering dragon, which fits better with Drago. And then Burke le- has this queen bewilder beast. Nice. I think that would sum up their kind of ideologies much better. So if you remember, when I mentioned that Stoic would die in one of the civil wars, right? Yeah. That... Brings us to the scene where they're at his funeral and they start discussing who the next chief is. And they're like, hey, Hiccup? And he might end in our version. I think we were going to lean towards him going, oh, no, I couldn't do that. I'm not my dad. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. And then we had some ideas about who would be a better replacement. Yeah. I think that, well... We had a few ideas, and we could kind of merge them all together. Potentially, people might, if Valka comes back and helps in the battle, helps save some of the refugees and Burkeans along with Hiccup, and she shows that she's loyal to her people again, they might choose her to be the chief, at least for a time, while Hiccup and Astrid are still building up allies around the area. Yes, that's a great idea. Since they're kind of getting a coalition of a few unstable cities which are planning on helping Burke, and there are a few that are planning on not helping Burke, they could say, like, Valka, maybe you be in charge of Burke, and then Hiccup and Astrid will be in charge of, like, dealing, making, like, a war council with some of the other leaders from other villages, right? So she's in charge of Burke, and they're in charge of foreign affairs, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Or like like the the something. The something. (laughs) Most thing. The most thing. I like the something. I I think something would be the joke, actually. Yeah, Yeah, that's probably it. That makes sense. (laughs) So, Chelsea, go back and and just replace our old jokes earlier with this more funny one now. You know. No. (laughs) Bob Ross would have called that a happy little accident right there. Nice. I love that. Yeah. 
I like this a lot. I think that this goes back to, I mean, what I was kind of arguing for last week, which is having Valka be the one who inherits power. Yes. And in this version, it would make sense for people to accept it. Yeah, she has a much more defensible position of why she left. And and she reinvigorates her relationship with people and proves her loyalty. Exactly. Yeah, and we've kind of, I think, added a bit more respectability to her position as this dragon whisperer Yeah. in this one. So I think they could kind of use that as an argument for why she should be in charge because, you know, Burke is pretty gung-ho on their dragons now and clearly she knows the evolution buttons of each dragon and the secrets they have. And she was married to Stoic for a long time. She probably helped him come to a decision on a lot of, you know, issues. So, Oh, for sure. Like, I, I want to lean into this idea that she was his counsel in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. That she was like, I mean, and, you know, maybe there could even be some flashbacks to why Stoic was so cold towards Hiccup because of this believing that his mother, uh, believing that Valka was lost and, like, it, it damaged him, too. You know, so often we only see, like, one side where, like, the stoic male uh, yeah. is, has, like, stayed this way because it's just the manly thing to do. But we see in this movie that stoic was very emotional. Yeah. I mean, he was, like, he loved Valka. Like, he didn't actually live up to his namesake until later on it right. seems like it's true so we can kind of see these moments where he was broken by the loss of valka when he thought she died mm -hmm. and how that colored his interactions with people and as a leader up to that point he lost his moral center and you know now she comes back as this wise leader of her people to take the mantle of leadership after Stoic is killed tragically. Right. I like it. I think we have a great new story here. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's good to go. So maybe we should start figuring out a title for this thing. For this thing. <laughs> All right, guys, so now we've got this great improved plot for How to Train Your Dragon 2, but every movie needs a catchy title, and that is another place where they drop the ball with this movie. There's no colon after two. Yeah. How to Train Your Dragon 2 what? <laughs> I So, I mean, so obviously, for me, the most appropriate title for this new movie is How to Train Your Dragon 2 Love. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I love that. Oh my god. <laughs> Let me think. I gotta think about something here. I nearly just ripped off Frozen 2. What was Frozen 2 called? Into the Unknown. <laughs> which would have been a very good name for this rewriting history. <laughs> the Drago Strikes Back. How to Train Your Dragon 2 Beyond Burke. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. We can also do something like How to Train Your Dragon to... Colon. Colon. They can teach you, too. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon to Fury of Man. 
<laughs> Look who's training now. Yeah. <laughs> Look who's training now. I love that. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it's pretty... <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon 2, Love and Empathy. <laughs> I like Look Who's Training Now. <laughs> it just seems like such like an early 2000s rom-com title. Oh, do you not know the joke I'm referencing? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay, Zoomer. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so have you ever heard of uh, Look Who's Talking? I've heard the name. It's a movie about talking babies, and then there's Look Who's Talking 2, T-O-O, and then Look Who's Talking Now was the version with the talking dogs that traumatized me as a kid. Oh, God. (laughs) Because of the sex scene between two dogs, and I'm pretty sure this is the first time that I saw the, like, sperm and egg. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was watching the movie with my parents, and I was broken by this. Sorry to hear that. I'm just imagining uh someone who is a furry, right? Seeing back zooming back to when they were a child watching that movie and they're just saying to themselves, This better not awaken anything in me. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a tagline now. I'm thinking of something along the lines of like, first they became friends and now they're family or something like that. But I wanna I, I wanna I wanna say that like now they're equals. Like something like that. Like <laughs> I mean, obviously, a tagline that I'd love to do is... uh, (laughs) Who's training who? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I was going to say, Dad didn't even want a dragon. This is him now. (laughs) Nice. It's true. How to Train Your Dragon 2, Dragon Dome, starring Polly Shore. (laughs) (laughs) Too trained, too furious. Oh, yes. I'm just imagining the trailer where it's like, how to train your dragon too. Look who's training now. And then it shows the scene where Hiccup in his squirrel suit tries to glide and nearly crashes and Toothless has to save him. He's like, wow, you really saved me, buddy. I'll learn how to fly eventually. Oh, that's perfect. The I role love that. reversal. Because he taught Toothless how to fly. Now Toothless is helping him learn to fly. I love it. That's so perfect. Can you repeat it for me? Because I, I was... It's the squirrel scene, it's the scene, and they're like, they're showing him teaching Hiccup how to fly after Hiccup taught him how to fly. And then in the background is like Smash Mouth's, I thought love was only true in fairy (laughs) tale. I don't think we're allowed to use that. I like like this idea. Let me me get this idea out there. First, they were, were rivals. Then they became friends. Now they're equals. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I think that's good. Although I guess friends does imply equals, right? Like what what can we say that's like Oh yeah. That that implies that there is still like an owner pet relationship that I'm not, <laughs> you know, super fond of for this. Right. First they were enemies. Then through bonding they became master and student. Now <laughs> they are friends on the battlefield. <laughs> That's long. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's for the trailer. That's not the tagline. Oh, oh, okay, okay. The tagline could just be, Now Toothless is the master. <laughs> he is the alpha <laughs> of the original movie. Um, or it could, you know, it just be something classic like, This dragon's got teeth. 
<laughs> Even though his name is Thu. Expiring Dad Edition. Oh. <laughs> okay, come on. Let's let's do. Uh, we gotta we gotta think to the classic taglines of history and get that that form just right. Now this yeah. is dragon racing. <laughs> you know, I was originally going to suggest that instead of doing a movie spinoff, we did a uh, Star Wars Pod Racer spinoff, oh, yeah. where we just designed the video game Dragon Racer. Nice. That's for great. this episode, but I yeah. guess that didn't end up working out. <laughs> yeah. I think it's one that starts with, like, you've seen the training. Now. Now witness tragedy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Taglines are usually a little bit more upbeat, I feel like. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> you've seen the training. Now watch the what? You've seen the training. Now watch the battle. <laughs> I guess it doesn't uh, communicate like the main message that we were going. No, it really, it's really kind of antithetical to the message that we're talking about. You've seen the train. Yeah, you've seen them train. Now watch the world go up in flames. (laughs) Oh God! Well, the movie is them building up toward all-out war in the third film, right? But through unity, right? Uh, Maybe, maybe we need to like look at the idea of unity as the theme of like what. Hiccup and Astrid are doing. Well, like, isn't si- this movie supposed to end on a low note? Because the next movie is yeah, but be I mean, much worse. But it's still a kids' movie. Like you still have to have like some some upbeat. The low note is Stoic's death. Yeah. Well, how but, is but there the a up- happy ending? It, well, I think the happy ending is is the. I don't is, think there's a happy ending. I think there needs to. Be, I think we need. I think we need to have at least a little bit of a happy ending for a kids movie where like Valka and Hiccup reconnecting. Well, yeah, becomes kind of we the happy. We already did establish cat. that. Yeah, but I mean, I think that that needs to be like the kind of the final image we see is them bonding, bonding, and dealing with their mm-hmm. issues. Ah, uh, how to train your dragon too. Uh, train together, stand as one. Ooh, I like train together, stand as one. Holy that's shit, perfect. Jack. Yeah. That's amazing. Yes. Yes, that is it. That is, that's just what's yeah. happening. Done. Print, copy, get it out to the uh, script writers. That's us too, I guess. Dude, Jack. Nice. That was so good. Well, on that great note, uh, I think that this is probably a good time to sign off. Make sure to follow us on social media at Swords and Satire and join our Facebook group so you can keep up with all of our memes and news about the show. But until next time, keep writing your story. Mm